We call ourselves the elite. If not us, who? A little bit of the bubbly. And if not now, when? We don't care about race or gender or sex or religion. If you're an elite athlete, we want you. This is an official declaration of war. Change the world. We are going to change the whole universe. This is a family. This is a revolution. We can never stop. We for the 100th time it's friday morning and you know what that means it's time for the next chapter of the only professional wrestling podcast that is changing the world every week this is Seeing the Elite, an AEW podcast. I am your host, Bryce Reed. I am joined by my friend, my co-host, my tag team partner, Mr. Jonathan Davis. What's up, dude? If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Jonathan and I are two friends, fans, lovers of professional wrestling who are here every single Friday morning with all of the latest news from All Elite Wrestling, thanks to our EVPs, Chris Genro, James Kenimer, Joseph Pesikow, Andrew Garrett, Jeremy Blackman, Kevin Bartlett, and Omega Lulz, and all of our supporters on Patreon. We have made it to 2021, and we have made it to 100 chapters. This is officially more episodes than we've ever done of any show, and we owe this mega milestone to listeners just like you who tune in every week, interact with us on Discord, and most of all, contribute to our Patreon. They throw us a little money each month, and in return, they unlock oodles of extras. Uh, subscribers get a ton of awesome perks within our community, bonus episodes, access to show notes, movie nights, commentaries, our new weekly podcast, Lucha Underground Revisited, exclusive extended versions of each week's STE, and getting to watch us record the show live. All of the money we make goes into making this show better for all of you. It will always be free. But if you love what we do and you want to help us do more, please head to patreon.com slash seeing the elite. This Saturday night, we're, wa- we're doing movie night, man. We're going to do a commentary. Uh, you can watch along with us if you're a patron. We're watching 2017's Mohawk. I know absolutely nothing about this movie other than that it uh, contains a, a, I guess, pretty well-liked uh, acting performance by uh, Mr. Brody Lee. Yeah, I know the one of the lead uh, females in the movie is also one of the people on Letterkenny. That's the only way I, uh, other thing I know about it. Oh, nice! I, I'm excited to watch the film. I know it. I guess it's got some uh, sort of a psychological horror uh, 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 tinge to it. Um, Yay! <laughs> uh, but it'll cool. It'll be cool to see Brody, and pe- people seem to really like this performance in the movie. So I'm excited to get to sit down and watch it with everybody. Um, and of course, uh, we'll have the commentary for up 
uh, for that up uh, after Saturday. Uh, pins, if you want to get yourself one of these beautiful, gorgeous, soft enamel pins, you got to go to seeingtheelite.bigcartel.com and purchase one. Uh, or you can always uh, go and get T-shirts, too, at seeingtheelite.com. That's uh, the best place to get them. But uh, as we always say, uh, take care of yourselves first, you know, uh, uh, pins and shirts and Patreon. That's all nice. And it helps support the show. It helps us uh, do what we do over here. And we greatly appreciate it. But uh, we appreciate uh, it even more that the people uh, in your life and and the people that you care about are are taken care of uh, first before you send anything our way. We don't need it. You know, um, this is not a sports entertainment show. It's an entertaining sports show supported by fans like you from all over the world on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and podcast services everywhere. Subscribe, review, give us five stars, just like Meltzer. It makes us feel so sweet. Jonathan, how sweet? Too sweet, buddy. Facebook.com slash seeing the elite. Twitter at seeing the elite. But of course, uh, the one and only greatest community in all of pro wrestling is located only at tinyurl.com slash seeing the elite we'll get you the invite to our discord server whose champion is the one and only joe naldino um beach break is coming soon i do not know if we will do bets I on beach break i can't imagine it. that we will we don't usually for these special dynamite episodes but it's hard to say Things are filling out. They are kind of treating it like a pay-per-view. Maybe uh, kind of worried about how late Revolution is happening. But I feel like it's happening the same weekend that it was happening last year. It is, but it's also they had Jericho Cruise last year at this time. Sure. So they're trying to, to keep, you know, doing stuff as well as <laughs> we heard that, you know, they're going to Miami for the month of February because yeah. everybody needs to change the pace. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, that'll be cool. Hopefully, uh, that is, uh, what they end up doing. Um, we're going to start as we always do with a quote, quote, crazy to think there's still COVID deniers out there in the world. I had a pretty bad case of COVID in early September that kept me bedridden for nearly three weeks. I couldn't taste or smell for two and a half months. At one point, my whole body had hives in it, and uh, my doctor said that it was definitely from COVID. Uh, Matt had to do the majority of the work in uh, matches once I returned safely because I couldn't catch my breath. My cardio is finally back, but it took months to finally feel like myself again. Let's protect each other and wear a mask, end quote. Uh, that comes to us from Nick, Nick Jackson. Uh, suspiciously uh after uh jericho's podcast last week uh where he uh went on a wild uh covid denying uh fucking uh tirade uh filibuster on his podcast um even though he, we later would later find out uh, via his own post that uh he himself had it around that same time yeah um, because he he's trying to pull the joe rogan thing where he has nutsos on one week and then a doctor on the next week yeah and in the middle of the doctor uh podcast this is the one that came out after cody's podcast right is when he says like oh yeah i had covid in uh early september i was asymptomatic and it's like okay <laughs> um yeah 
bit problematic. Uh, people have been uh, uh, kind of freaking out about this because these are two cases that went down at the company that we didn't know about. Um, and it uh, paints AEW in, in a specific light of, of maybe uh, saying that they were going to be transparent and then not being totally transparent. The only thing I would say about this is that this is medical information and it's not really uh legally or morally justified for them to share this information if the person who has the illness does not wish to share that um as well as neither person that tested positive tested positive as part of their i'm i've flown to florida and i'm getting my test on to you know get my wristband yeah it seems like these were home tests uh it is right. a little weird if you look at the september schedule Jericho wrestles on like every one of those shows, but it's also important to note that like half of them were taped that month. Um, so it is kind of like a tight window, but uh, it, it is, but it's also they like, like you said, they it's a tight window, but they tape half of their shows. So, right, I think I don't really trust Melter on this because he's kind of just being a PR guy, but he's like, when Jericho tested positive. Uh, it was because a family friend had tested positive, blah, blah, blah. And it was 12 days. They had a break between taping. So mm -hmm. he was quarantined the whole time. It was like, that's really all you can do. Right. Right. And then you bring um, him back and he doesn't test positive anymore. And you're like, well, okay. Okay. Right. You know, um, unfortunately, you know, as much as the handling of this has made me go, man, why, why can't we all be better about taking care of one another? Um, there's, a, I think there's only so much that a company can do, uh, mm -hmm. to limit some or to, to police people's good behavior. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately Jericho has come up against that several times with the Fozzie shows that he's been doing and this podcast where he's, uh, went off on it and stuff like that. Unfortunately, people have to draw their own conclusions with whether or not to still, uh, support, um, very clearly, uh, kind of, uh, strange political values, Chris Jericho. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it quite a bit, like it's getting harder and harder to keep supporting him, but here's what it is. <laughs> Being the elite number 238, the band is back together. The opening scene features the Bucks and the Good Brothers uh, standing together in the elite dressing room. Uh, the Bucks try to address the elephants in the room here. Uh, the betrayal regarding episode one where uh, the Good Brothers were supposed to come over to AEW and ended up resigning with WWE. Um, uh, and issues from Japan that reach further back than that. Uh, but the Good Brothers are as playful as ever. And according to the Bucks, quote, even worse, end quote. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Doc Gallows even says that he, uh, he already jerked off in the bathroom or whatever. Um, that's a shoot brother. <laughs> uh, they refuse, uh, to take responsibility or even acknowledge these sort of past transgressions with the bucks really as anything more than just a joke by their own words. Um, but, uh, the bucks are 
you know, they're happy enough to be back together that they elect to just allow sleeping dogs to lie for now and join in with a second uh, too sweet in the middle of the camera. Um, this is funny because this is what, uh, you know, family can be like. <laughs> and so I like that they sort of, that's what this scene is about is them kind of being like, yeah, but you kind of like fucked us. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you know, and they're, and, but they're just so happy to see their friends again. They're like, oh, you know, all right. Okay. But. You know, not really. <laughs> not really, but yeah. <laughs> and then they're also just kind of like hesitant because Doc Gell is also known as the cock torturer is back. <laughs> so they're like, fuck, we got to deal with this shit again. Uh, after the title, we get some awesome backstage footage of the Bucks having 30 seconds cut off their match because Snoop Dogg wants to do the, the splash or whatever, right? Uh, and then warning SCU about their confetti cannons and how to steer clear of the confetti cannons. And, um, you know, talk. they talk uh, briefly about their uh, their preparation for the match or sort of lack thereof. They were like, we were sitting around 30 minutes ago and we realized we hadn't planned anything for the match at all. Um, this is awesome stuff. And... Uh, it, if like if this is what the show was every week and like kind of just this i'd be like cool this is this is the stuff that for me i'm like this is fucking awesome but and then you get 15 minutes of matt hardy we're gonna talk about it uh it leads right into cutler cam of the match um after this we get footage of matt tending to his shin um, which uh, apparently got fucked up when Evans uh, 6.30'd onto Nick and Nick lifted his knees. Um, as suspected by everyone, uh, his uh, part in this finish was uh, a botch. Uh, he was uh, supposed to do, supposed to hop up on the springboard and then do a moonsault when it looked like he was going to do the thing and then he slipped and had to had to rebalance and get back on there and go and do a different move. Um due to the pain in his leg that had, uh, from this move with Jack Evans. Um, and I was glued this whole time. I was like, God, this is what BTE could be. It could just be like getting to know people better backstage. Why don't they have a show like this? Um, but then we went back into skits and it was like, Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, I mean, I'd also cut out most of the Cutler cam because it's sure. like we talked about, I think last week or the week before, it's like he only films the Young Bucks and it's like there's way more important stuff on this show than the Young Bucks. Sure, sure. I The B BTE is the Young Bucks show, but I agree with you. Um we then get another one of these fucking Kip segments, which I, I'm just, I'm losing my mind with, man. Um, Marco finds Leva backstage and tells her that Kip is just going crazy because he thinks she let him win, but told him that she didn't let him win or whatever. And apparently he took a skateboard and threw it at a wall. Um, yeah, the Kip segment that's not a Kip segment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, followed by Cutler Cam. Uh, of the end of last week's dynamite, which at least uh, was more buck stuff, but whatever. Uh, this uh, the Kip thing, yeah, it was a Kip segment that didn't have Kip in it, but was the exact same segment again. Like if you'd taken Marco out and replaced it with Kip, it was the same one again. It yeah, would have been him. It would have been him saying, "Hey, you didn't let me win, right? I threw a skateboard at a wall because I'm going crazy about this." It's like, 
what? <laughs> Where's it? You paid off already. <laughs> what are you doing? The fucking nightmare. Um, we then got uh, some BTS of the photo shoot that they did after the match with the with the whole band together and stuff, which is cool to see. Um, then we find the Dark Order. Quote: I'm telling you, I got a stink down there that I can't get rid of. End quote. Uh, <laughs> we join John Silver and the Dark Order. Uh, that in a place that seems like it might be the clubhouse, although there was pipe and drape everywhere for whatever reason. Um, in comes. I think it's the clubhouse, but they're trying to. It, uh, so it's the end of football season, so there's stuff that's getting moved around, and mm. you know they had to replace that table, so they might have gotten banned from the clubhouse. They're uh, they're trying to fumigate uh, and pull out this nasty stink that uh, fucking. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently. John, John Silver has, uh, you know, in his engine room. Um, in comes Five, who says that his last party went so well that he's considering throwing another. Uh, to which <laughs> Silver responds, you dirty dick motherfucker. Um, and then uh, Silver and the rest of the Dark Order openly admit to Five that they hated the last party at Five's place on New Year's Eve. They flash back to New Year's Eve. Uh, the Dark Order seated quietly around a big table. Um, five, after some silence, says, you guys want some of my mom's wine? Um, just more sightings of these AEW tracksuits throughout this, too. Like, they're just wiggling them in my face the whole time. Bro, I've been, I've been checking daily. <laughs> They they finally got those uh, inner circle fucking uh, jackets up, you know, what, like six months later or whatever. Where are these tracksuits? We need them. Um, I'm starting to wonder if like maybe these were like a gift from Tony. I think I think that they are a uh, Lucha Underground used to do it, too, where like people on Lucha Underground yeah. would get exclusive kind of thing. I think that's what they are. But you could do a different it, it, color. For the boys, you know? Uh, agreed. But, like, just looking at, like, who all had them, especially in this week's video, I was like, okay, that was your Christmas present from Tony. I, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so everyone says no to uh, Alan Angels. They don't want any of his mom's wine. Um, he says, you guys are having a good time at my New Year's Eve party, right? Uh, and Silver is the first to say, this party stinks worse than your asshole. Uh he says, uh, you know, uh, Alex Reynolds is over here like, where are the decorations? <laughs> Five's response here is so great. He says, I spent so much money on this room, you know. Um, Five has an idea. He's He thinks they should all share their New Year's resolutions, uh, which is exactly what the Inner Circle did on Dynamite. Um, yep. uh, but it's okay when it's Jericho is ripping off somebody's idea. When it's somebody, do, it's somebody doing it to him, it's not okay. But... Um, uh, five has an idea uh, here to share their New Year's resolutions. Uh, uh, John Silver says, first, fuck you. Second, this party sucks dick. But we have nothing else, so here we go. Um, and, and Silver uh, says that he vows to get his title back, which I was like, what title is he talking about? That he says, that's right, my best kisser in the world title. Uh, and he needs to get it back from Emilio <laughs> Estevez. He says that he's going to need a lot of practice, so he tells Ten to be ready because he's going to do some kissing. Um, 
It's just fucking ridiculous. So weird. Uh, they turn to Colt. Colt says, I'd like to get this dad gimmick over. And everyone's like, it's not It's not happening. I'm sorry. Uh, which I love. Um, Anna Jay speaks next. She says that she'd like to hopefully be nicer to Stu. That's when Stu jumps in and says he'd, he'd like to stop throwing himself at walls and over tables. Well, no, no, he's, his New Year's re- resolution was about bullying. And then she's like, excuse me? He's like, I mean, um, not not bullying. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop hurting myself all the time. <laughs> um, Uno's resolution last year was to wrestle his childhood dream match. He apparently accomplished that. And so now he wants to wrestle Jim Duggan. Um, and he's but he like, didn't say who it was. I'm, sh- I, I'm sure he's making a reference to some Instagram post he made at some point. If it's childhood heroes for Uno, there's literally like two people it could be maybe in this company that he wrestled. If it's even in in the company, sure. But where else did he wrestle this year? I think he. I mean, last year he may have done. Maybe in. Look, there are two people it could be. Okay, it'd be Jericho, or it could be the Ass Man. I guess. I mean, he did. I thought, think he was doing some indie dates in early January, February last year. Maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, that was just a weird one. Um, but he says he wants to wrestle Jim Duggan. He's like, oh, and then I love Colt here. It's like, he's like, it's good. You'll enjoy it. Reynolds, Reynolds resolved to come up with a pretty badass catchphrase is what he said. Everyone in the group starts making terrible suggestions. <laughs> bingo bango yeah uno is like have you thought of bingo bango uh and then john silver so like have you thought of woo i'm Stu?" or no uh woo i'm alex right he's like woo uh and everyone's like that one's pretty good you know uh i i thought that was the greatest um (laughs) they moved to 10 uh 10 says uh that uh it's uh, pretty clear over the last few months that he's picked up a bad habit and he says so i think i need to quit gambling he then moves his arms and takes a giant snortsky of his pile of cocaine that he's been hiding from the camera uh which is super rough <laughs> yeah yeah that's 10 i'm really it's, got, it's- there's like there's this weird side of ten where like especially if you follow him on Twitter, yeah, especially like the past two weeks where he's like like really close with negative one and like playing video games and doing all this stuff, and then you see him on <laughs> BTE and it's like, okay, you are hoovering all the cocaine, man. Yeah, literally okay. just doing, not not actually doing cocaine, but like pretty explicitly the character is doing cocaine on the show. Uh, kind of wild, um, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> kind of thing that makes, I don't know. I wonder how they deal with that from a corporate level. But they're privately owned. They can do whatever, right? So I don't know. It's just a YouTube show. <laughs> it's just on the internet forever. Um yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Five is the last man here. Uh he says his resolution is to be a little cooler. And then everyone immediately just dogs on him for his lame resolution. Uh except for Colt, who reaches across the table, grabs Five's Five's hand and says, You are cool. Um uh, and he says, Thanks, Dad. Uh and I adore that. I love the way they built that up. I thought that was genius. Um 
they count down to midnight, uh, of course, because in the Dark Order they love n- numbers, uh, only to have Hangman emerge from the window. Uh, Hangman says, you guys realize it's December 27th, right? Um, and everyone's like, no wonder nobody showed up. And everyone, you know, don't fuck you, five, right? Uh, everybody freaking out. And then the Dark Order exits. <laughs> John Silver exits with the great line, get bent, pizza dick, uh, which is amazing. Um <laughs> uh, He's like, guys. Such a random line, too. Yeah. He's like, guys, come back. Uh, And the atmosphere is so awkward here that even Hangman, who, by his own admission, had been hiding in the curtains for the last seven days, uh, exits. Um, We flashback now, uh, and the 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 the, uh, Dark Order just gang banging five. You know what I mean? You know what I mean when I say they're gang banging him? No. They got him on the ground. They're wrong word. They got him on the ground. They're beating him up. That's what uh, that's what I mean when I say they're gang banging him. You understand me, JD? Yeah. 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 Really long and annoying uh, Matt Hardy uh, promo here uh, afterwards with Private Party. Matt now wants a cut of Cameo after previously indicating that he did not. Slid this into the contract, uh, which Private Party uh, can't refute because apparently they didn't read the contract uh, before signing it. Um, Matt then says uh, that his attitude reminds him of the Bucks and it won't take them to the top, which is kind of funny to say because... The Bucks hold the championships right now. Um, but uh, he even takes credit for the Snoop bit from Dynamite uh, and demands 50% of Cameo uh, from Private Party, um, something that he will do for a second time on Dynamite. Um, next, uh, in a very short scene, Statlander abducts Griff Garrison. Um, it's nice to see that she's apparently she's working in regular bits now. She might be closer and closer to maybe coming back sometime soon. I don't know. As well as looking to have like what seems to be re- uh, revitalizing her character from just being the weird alien to like actually making it a character. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, we head back to the elite's very messy dressing room. Um, this sketch doesn't really go anywhere other than Kazarian has this, like this bit where, because he's joining anger management, he's trying to watch anger management, the movie with, uh, Jack because Nicholson. he thinks that's the same thing. Right. Right. Uh, the Jack Nicholson, Adam Sandler movie from, I think, Oh three, maybe Oh four. Yeah. Um, early two thousands. Yeah. Um, in walks Matt Hardy, who remarks that the place is messy and it is, they got trash everywhere. Um, Hardy says that he uh, invested in Daly's place and has a much better elite dressing room that he'd like them to tour, potentially. Um, as Matt Jackson continues to find random stuff around the room to throw on the floor, which is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just sitting there just like you, you turn your head for one second and then he's pouring kool-aid on the floor yeah he's literally he's just finding things on the desk next to him and just like like he finds a thing of wrist tape and he just like unravels it and throws it on the floor um it's kind of wonderful um uh so uh hardy leads uh them to this uh much bigger dressing room that lies vacant um it has two bathrooms it has a giant uh standing mirror um everything that they could want basically and the bucks agree that maybe it's time for a change they'll have more space in this room 
Um, Nick asks, uh, what will it cost? Uh, and Hardy has Matt sign a little piece of paper. Um, and they exit uh, to find that the room has a sign on the front door that reads coaches. <laughs> and Hardy rips the sign down uh, and puts up the EVP office sign and hands them a key. Uh, and Nick looks directly into the lens and says, uh, this will be better for bits. Hopefully the signature Matt did on that paper doesn't cost us anything. It might have been a contract. Who knows? Let's hope not. Uh, which I thought was great. Uh, I really dug that. Next, we see Garrison run out of the trainer's room with one straightened lock of hair. Uh, he, he escapes, gets all the way down the hall, and Statlander runs out of the room after him and reports to her watch. She says, mission failed. Uh, apparently her mission is to see what Griff Garrison would look like with straightened hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, so, I, I think we can all get behind that. Um, now we find Cutler in the hall and Jesus Christ, Matt Hardy is here too for the third sketch that he was in this week. Um, somebody get this man another job backstage because clearly idle hands. This scene is also much longer than it has any business being. Uh, Matt says he'd love to help Cutler get on dynamite uh, using his, uh, his uh, skills as a manager. Uh, but uh, he needs Cutler to pull down a win over someone who isn't uh, a jabroni, basically. Hardy suggests Luchasaurus. Uh, Cutler likes this idea, the dragon versus the dinosaur, right? Hardy says if Cutler does it, if he can pin Luchasaurus, he could, quote, possibly see Cutler becoming a part of the Matt Hardy brand, end quote. Now Silver and Reynolds are in the hallway. Uh, Silver says he's tired of trying to recruit every Tom, Dick, and Harry. He says that he wants the best Tom, the most Harry, and the guy with the biggest dick, end quote. Um he says, there's only one person I have in mind, and I'll give you a hint. Uh, Silver then does what he thinks is a sting impression. <laughs> it's just a really weird De Niro impression. <laughs> All, I love this, because uh, they've done this joke before. I love this, like, canon that... All of his impressions are De Niro <laughs> impressions. Um, and Alex Reynolds here is even like, De Niro? And John Silver is like, no, it's Sting. Reynolds agrees with the idea, though. He says, I'm going to bring this, uh, Silver does. And he picks up a sledgehammer. <laughs> and Alex Reynolds is like, John, put it down. Sting hates sledgehammers. And John Can't do Silver it, man. Yeah. <laughs> John Silver is like, oh, you're right. Uh, which was great. I love that. Um, Dasha and uh, her uh, Latino uh, posse uh, set a trail of Kool-Aid packets in the parking lot that leads Alex Abrahentes right into a trap. Um, the audio here is genuinely terrible and even inaudible in some places. I thought the entire thing was because there it sounded like they were on a phone or maybe just a really bad camera but with all of those trailers out there like you're not going to get good audio out of this unless people are wearing mics yeah it's a pretty terrible place to try to shoot a scene of any kind if you're going to try to use that audio um, and not re-record the audio separate and that looks like it's very much out of cutler's wheelhouse they suffered for it, whatever it was, because of the situation. So 
he he leads up into this thing. Dasha then knocks on the door. Jake the Snake answers, indicating that he is performing some type of procedure or ritual on Alex Abrahantes. Two hours later, Abrahantes walks out, uh, Kool-Aid in hand, plastic snake poking out of his shirt. They then turn to Jake, and he says, trust me, he's fine. <laughs> and he's holding a bottle of Kool-Aid. Uh, I, I don't really understand this scene much but oh it's basically they they hired jake to deprogram him and it didn't work and he got jake hooked on the kool-aid too no like i got that i feel like i could have used more description of like how he intended to deprogram him like it felt like he it needed snakes a, on him it needed a second scene oh that's okay <laughs> the second scene when he's got the thing sticking sure, out yeah sure. they yeah guess <laughs> um now we see luchasaurus who is asking leva why dinosaurs never get human roles in movies cutler pops into frame and asks why they're uh, not talking about dragons never getting human roles uh and luchasaurus is great here he says because they're not real uh <laughs> he's like i have a master's degree in medieval history i was around at the time they're not real they've never been real um he even goes so far as to say that he thinks that they were inserted into history after and weren't written about at the time, um, which is great. Uh, Cutler says uh, that they are real uh, and that they're better than dinosaurs. He says they can fly. Tell me a dinosaur that can fly. And Leva Bates is immediately like a pterodactyl. Uh, Luchasaurus is like, thank you, Leva. Um, and I love that. It's like common sense. It was like everybody knows what pterodactyls are. <laughs> Cutler, res Cutler resolves to challenge Luchasaurus to a match on AEW Dark. Uh, and I love Luchasaurus's response here. He says, one-on-one? -on -one? I don't have the cardio for that. Um, but then he's like, all right, you want to do it? Tomorrow night. Um, and <laughs> Cutler was like, no, we, have to, we need to build to this. Give me one week. Uh, Luchasaurus says, fine. So I guess next aew dark we're gonna see a match between luchasaurus and brandon cutler which will be interesting a real test for brandon cutler's winning streak see if he's gonna pull it down i can't imagine he will but we'll see um it'll be i i think this will actually be a a really decent match between those two guys i'm not really upset about seeing it no compared with like other cutler matches that i've seen in the past sure sure <laughs> Uh, we finally catch up with two sexy nuns, uh, Nyla uh, and Vicky walking down the hall like they were last week. Nyla stops Vicky and asks what the plan is. Apparently, it's to strong arm people into making donations. Uh, this, this whole scene started off really, really fucking weird. <laughs> and then it turned the corner and got super hilarious. <laughs> So she pulls a shitload of money off the captain, Sean Dean, by pressuring him to give money uh, to the children. You know, uh, she's like, excuse me. She ends up pulling down a whole bunch of money. She shows it to Nyla. Nyla says she wants to try. She goes and finds some guy backstage in a mask. I, the mask was big and black enough that I couldn't really figure out who it was specifically. But I think I think I was on purpose. It was just a, a technician or somebody. But... Right. It sounded like she really hit him. <laughs> she didn't, but it was really good. 
so she taps him on the shoulder. She says donations, um, and then she, <laughs> she fucking just cold cocks his ass. Just nails him in the face with her fist and takes his wallet and leaves, uh, which is amazing. It was so fucking funny. But if you watch it back, you can see the slap. The best uh, part though is Penelope's just there in the background and just doesn't bat an eye at all. <laughs> Uh, finally, we meet up with John Silver again. He says, hi, I'm a BTE g- uh, boy. Um, it, we have a number one contenders game of Flip Cup. Uh, Reynolds, Ricky Starks, Orange Cassidy, 10, the Captain Sean Dean, 5, and Chuck is there as the line judge. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, he also says, oh, and Louie's here. Just, I, I, like Louis. Louis. <laughs> I like Louie. I like Louie. He said. I love that. Um, Louis Valley, he's talking about. Uh, Cutler asks uh, for a shot uh, at the title. Uh, he wants to be involved in this. And then, <laughs> uh, uh, John Silver is like, this is a drinking game. And Cutler says, I don't drink. He's like, all right, so you're already eliminated. Um, first elimination, Brandon Cutler. There we go, uh, which I love. Uh, they're all doing yes, like. Sh- that's how this game works. <laughs> they're doing shots of White Claw. Um, for this game, which is hilarious. Um, uh, Dean is the uh, the dropper in the first round, out before anybody else, unfortunately. Five falls in the second round. Starks is out in the third. Ten is the next to fall in the fourth round. Reynolds and Orange Cassidy are the final two, but in their head-to-head battle in the fifth round, uh, it's a dead heat, like literally at the same exact time. It's amazing. Uh, so they got to go again. In the sixth round, though, uh, Reynolds is the clear victor uh, by a, a long shot. Um, so can he beat the meat man? I don't know. We're going to have to find out uh, next week when he'll face Reynolds in beer pong, quote, but Brandon Cutler didn't want to wait for tomorrow because he's lazy. So instead of ping pong balls, we'll use caps. Thanks, Cutler. Uh, <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> the show closes on Great. some funny uh, footage of Cutler uh, asleep in a very non-sleeping position in a chair at the airport. Um, and then they have even better footage of him later asleep standing up at the airport, uh, which is kind of incredible. I, uh, I don't understand how you can fall asleep in the middle of fucking Hartsfield like that, man. Dude, I have narcolepsy, and I can't understand how you could fall asleep like that. I, I mean, I, I, I understand the airport is not as busy as it once was. Sure. But that is a loud motherfucker. <laughs> because there's all those announcements and shit, and like every five minutes there's like, welcome to Atlanta, blah, 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 blah. Oh, blah. they were at the Atlanta one, yeah. I didn't realize it was at the Atlanta one. I thought it was still at the Jacksonville one. The Jacksonville one I've flown into, and that one, even that one's pretty loud. But oh, I mean, I've I've been to through Hartsfield enough to recognize sure. a lot of the parts of it. It's like, how how can you do this? <laughs> Just standing up, completely standing up. Oh man. Uh, Post credits. Uh, Matt tries uh, to go into the room uh, to claim his chair in the new EVP room. Uh, but the key doesn't work uh, because it's not uh, the actual key to that room. It was all a scam. So um, that's funny. It'll be interesting to see if they're actually in that room next week. I don't know. I doubt it. Uh, I mean, with enough people, I mean, they just added the good brothers are going to be there for a while. Right. So maybe they're 
maybe it's a legit thing. They seemed like it might be at the time, but I mean, it's just the it's the trainer's office. So sure, but they could have been like you know, uh, it's at yeah, it's where they it's like the coach's dressing room, um, and so they might have felt like you know the we should switch these rooms because the coaches don't need as much space as we thought they would, and the elite needs more space. Yeah, um, that's fair. Potentially, you know. Um, but that's the end of the episode. I thought it was long. It was 40 minutes long this week. Um, I feel like Matt, they need to be like, Matt, you can do one. You can do one this episode. And that's it. Because a little bit goes a long way, man. And you, he was in like three or or four skits this week. Um, which is a lot. Matt, if you want to do two, go and try to win, try to win the BTE title. Um, then that can be the second one that you're in, and then you can do a skit on your own too. Um, but yeah, he was a lot of stuff, a lot of, and like all the worst segments on the show too. <laughs> Not helpful. Um, there was also a road too. Uh, it c- uh, contained a number of different scenes of uh, varying uh, quality. The Darby Cage Cody Sting recap was not really worth watching. It was the first six minutes of the show. Uh, a lot of it ended up recut on Dynamite. It didn't feature any really new interviews besides new interviews with like Excalibur. And it's like, okay, but I don't really give a shit about that um, as much as I love X. Um, uh, then we got Ty Conti and Serena Deeb with uh, some stuff here, which that was great. That hype was awesome um, and actually did have some new interviews that is totally worth watching um, alongside the Pac and Eddie Kingston um, hype reel that they did, which also featured new interviews with Pac and Kingston. Um, that's worth going to watch because it's fucking really, really cool. Um, so the back 10 minutes or so, 11 minutes are worth watching the, you can skip the first six. Um, I thought it was, uh, enjoyable to see. Um, although a lot of this stuff just ends up recut on the show anyway. AEW dark. We'll talk about AEW dark briefly, uh, a merciful, a brisk hour and a half this week, uh, which is an hour short of what it was last week. Uh, it wasn't so bad um, as a result of it. Uh, Ricky Starks defeated Mike Verna in the opening match. I know JD's not a fan of Ricky Starks going on first in a, on a AEW Dark, but... He's better than Mr. Ass. <laughs> sure. I mean, Jur- it's a low bar, but yeah. Jurassic Express defeated Fuego Del Sol and Ryzen in a match that I actually really liked. I liked that match a lot. Um, Ty Conte defeated Marty Daniels in a match that was too short and they should have been given more time. Um, Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, 5, 10, and Colt Cabana defeated Sean Dean, Zach Clayton, Adam Priest, Danny Limelight, and Barry Morales in a fucking mess. Uh, way too many goddamn people. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs defeated Louis, Louis Valley in about fucking three minutes. Um, Red Velvet and Leva Bates had a match. Man, Leva. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, she continues to expose, uh, her weaknesses, uh, live on television. And, uh, 
they got to find a better place for her to be in, man. It's it's just bad. Alex Reynolds and John Silver defeated Casey Navarro and El Australiano in uh, a match that I uh, really liked. Uh, Alex and uh, John are really uh, a spectacular tag team, and I want to see them get more in this company. Um, Varsity Blondes defeated Lee Johnson and Aaron Solo in a match I don't remember at all. Um, Anna 99J defeated Alex Gracia. Um, in a match I thought was pretty good. I think uh, Ty's uh, moveset is more compelling than Anna Jay's is, but uh, I think Anna Jay has uh, her character maybe dialed in a little bit better. I I think uh, that really kind of boils down to Ty's been doing this longer. Sure. And also just before she ever started wrestling being a judoka. Yeah, she's got this cool judoka thing going on where her moves are a lot of uh arm throws and fucking shit like that which is kind of cool well yeah that but it's just that lends itself very well to wrestling where sure. anna jay's previous experience was as a dancer which is like it helps but not really nwa women's champion serena deeb defeated tesha price who was accompanied by this dude named bro jones which sounds like taz made up the name um he probably did <laughs> it's kind of annoying um but it was i mean an enhancement match for d but it was pretty good test price did a decent job bear country defeated baron black and nick camarado nick camarado of course uh his uh attributes on full display that dude's enormous uh and uh i thought bear country did a really good job i hope that they find something for those guys because uh every week people have been like i was really impressed with bear country so um top flight versus chaos project was the last uh match on the card uh i don't remember anything about it i i turned it off <laughs> aw dark everybody not a big fan of top flight anyways i prefer them over the acclaimed but they're green and i refuse to watch any more luther than i have to <laughs> Let's go around the net. Uh, Serena Deeb on Unrestricted this week. It was hilarious. They uploaded the podcast episode with the file name. Uh, as a uh, Yeah, they sure did. I saw that this morning. Pretty fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, so I guess they didn't fix it either, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they just didn't fix it. When I saw it at like, you know, 630 this morning. Oh, okay. It yeah, I saw, I, saw it probably around, I saw it probably around five or, or whenever they put it up. So it's probably been fixed now, but you know when when I woke up to to get ready for work, it was like, oh, that looks weird. Yeah, Serena Deeb <laughs> underscore full show underscore. <laughs> like so, it was like, oh, great. <laughs> um, Don Callis was on Chris Van Vliet's show this week. Uh, for people that want to check that out, I'm sure he talks quite a bit about everything that's going on both on uh, screen and behind it. Eddie Kingston joined Renee Paquette on uh, oral sessions this week, uh, which I will probably check out because that sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy her show. She does. I mean, even her non AEW related shows are pretty, she's, she's kind of got it dialed in now. Mm. Um, I'm not sure where it's going to go as she gets further into the pregnancy. She may bank a lot of shows or just, you know, pause for a little while. I mean, you can be pregnant and still talk. No, 
I meant when the child comes out. Oh, okay. Well, you know. <laughs> um, I'm going to read this press release before we go into Dynamite. TNT to produce first annual, quote, AEW Dynamite Awards, end quote, distributed exclusively on Bleacher Report uh, and Bleacher Report Live uh, for people who use it for the pay-per-views. Um, new awards show celebrates AEW stars and top moments on January 27th via live stream on the Bleacher Report app. Voting opens today at www.aewawards.com. This uh, was posted January 13th, 2021. TNT and Bleacher Report announced today the first annual AEW Dynamite Awards, a new awards show honoring the top AEW stars and viral moments of the past year. The show will live stream on Wednesday, January 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, exclusively on the Bleacher Report app. Starting today, fans can vote for their favorite in a variety of categories, including best moment on the mic, biggest surprise, breakout star, and biggest beatdown by visiting AEWAwards.com. Shaquille O'Neal, Burt Kreischer, Chael Sonnen, Curtis Granderson, Camille Kostek, Kevin Kevin Hefferman, Steve Lemmy, Ron Funches, Daniel Fischel, Carp, and uh, Jensen Carp are among the award presenters. I know some of those names. Ron, it's cool. Ron's gonna be on it. Fucking love Funches, man. <laughs> we get, we should we really gotta try to get him on the the podcast Underground Revival. Um, I mean, I know many of these names. You know, Shaq, Kreischer. I mean, Kreischer's on Go Big Show. Right, Shaq, Kreischer, Sonin, I know. Funches. That's a fucking weird poll. Well, why, why do you say that? Well, he was like this all hard. I mean, he was a, he's an MMA guy, but right. he was like one of those guys that like shit on pro wrestling all the time. I was under the impression he was not because he was close friends with Punk and shit like that. So, uh, yeah, but he, a lot of his stuff was all shtick too. So it was like. Oh. He was like one of the few MMA guys who understood the the benefit of a promo. Right. But he's like, wrestling's a bunch of fucking pussies, man. <laughs> um, Heffernan and Lemmy, those are the guys that are from Broken Lizard. They have the show on True TV. Oh, okay. The BR app's AEW stream is home to an active fan base uh, reaching nearly 150,000 subscribers each month. Uh, during the AEW Dynamite Awards, fans will be able to post and comment in real time as awards are announced. The event will also be supported and promoted across uh, Bleacher Report social channels, the number one most engaged sports media brand on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The show will also be available on TNT's YouTube channel and AEW's social channels following the event. The first annual AEW Dynamite's Awards nominees. Best moment on the mic. Nominee MJF, We Deserve Better speech. Cody Rhodes accepts dog collar match. John Moxley uh, accepts inner circle invitation. Brandy Rhodes confronts Jade Cargill. And Orange Cassidy debates Chris Jericho. Which of these would be the one for you? 
J D. Fucking no. You don't know? <laughs> um. Okay. Um. Moment on the mic. It's really to, between Cody accepting. Oh no, Brandy confronting Jade Cargill was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the MJF speech was really good too. Uh, I, I, it's between those two. Probably Jay, the Brandy Rhodes confronting Jade Carlo because goddamn that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest surprise: Matt Hardy's debut. Jake the Snake Roberts confronts Cody. Brody Lee arrives as the Exalted One. Sting's AEW review. Miro revealed as best man. Fuck. Brody and Sting are the yeah, two biggest. Yeah, those are the two that I, I give it to Brody just because, you know, timing, which maybe isn't fair. Uh, but, no, that, uh, that moment when Brody came. It was pretty big. Like, when it happened, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Because I, I legitimately, working up to it, was like, I don't know who it's going to be. Well, it was like. Because it, it could have also been Matt. Yeah, it could have also been Matt, which it was that, you know, he debuted later in the night. So. Um, so, yeah, one of those two. Um, breakout star, male, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, John Silver. I gave it to John Silver because I love the meat man, but it's Orange Cassidy um, this no, it's year. it's John Silver. <laughs> of us that watch BTE every week, it's John Silver. Sure, sure. Of the people who will be voting in this and watch Dynamite only, it's Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Breakout star female, Hikaru Shida, Anna Jay, Tay Conti, Big Swole, Penelope Ford. Hikaru Shida uh, was yep. the one that I ended up choose, choosing for this. Biggest beatdown, Inner Circle, Jumps Orange Cassidy, Dark Order, Attacks Nightmare Family, Nyla Rose puts Riho and Shida through tables, uh, Brian Cage, Sneak Attacks, John Moxley, and the Nightmare Family and Inner Circle Brawl. Dark this Order was- attacking the Nightmare Family. Yeah, this one was kind of hard for me, but probably Dark Order attacks the Nightmare Family. If it's the if it's the moment that I think it is, I'd, and I'd have to click through all of this to see the video, right? Then it's absolutely the Dark Order attacking the Nightmare Family. High Flyer Award: Ray Phoenix, Mark Quinn, Nick Jackson, and Pac. It's Phoenix. Ray Phoenix, and it's not even close. Yeah, um, quite frankly, <laughs> Pac doesn't he... even jump off shit anymore. Right, he doesn't really. I mean, except to do his his one uh, move. Yeah, his finish. Nick Jackson had that one match with Phoenix, but then most of the year has been. Uh, I like at Mark home Quinn, but or... he is like on a different lower tier compared to everyone else on yeah, this. List. Nobody's Ray Phoenix. If they put this award on the list of awards every year, Ray Phoenix is going to win every year because he's insane. Yeah. Uh, hardest moments to clean up after Orange Cassidy drops orange juice on the inner circle. The parking lot brawl, the bunkhouse match, or uh, Big Swole dumps garbage on Britt Baker. I chose the parking lot brawl here. Um, I I would pick that, but I know it's going to be Britt Baker that wins. Biggest WTF moment, Cody Rhodes, Steel Cage, Moonsault, uh, Sammy Guevara hit by a golf cart, uh, (laughs) Kenny Omega wins the AEW World Championship and walks out of AEW. That wasn't even that surprising. Um, Well, uh, the walkout was. I guess. Uh, bloody Dr. Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida. Um, that's surprising that she bled in the match. Um, no, that she got... Yeah, I guess girls don't bleed. You know that. Okay. 
Um, Young Bucks uh, frog splash off the stadium railing. I don't know. I would. T- I, it's just I would say that like Abaddon taking a big fucking bite out of Sheeta's neck was more surprising than than uh, Britt Baker I, botching a move and giving herself a broken nose. I agree, but that was you know that was a shoot bloody nose, not sure a planned moment. Sure. Um. I mean, I par- partial to this because I actually saw it, and that's right. Cody to pull that moonsault off of the cage. The moonsault off the cage was cool. I think Sammy Guevara is the the most surprising. Most. Uh, agreed. And had I not been at that cage match, I would uh, 100% agree. But, like, Cody, no looking, taking that moonsault off the cage was absolutely bonkers in the room. In a amazingly uh named because of how old person named it is uh the lol award uh the nominees are jericho plus mjf for le dinner debonair uh brit baker waxes uh tony shivani uh young bucks kick mjf into a pool although it's important to note they didn't kick him into the pool they threw him into the pool um, and the inner circle, uh, Vegas trip. Uh, it's Le Dinner Debonair for me by yeah. a fucking mile. This isn't even a contest. <laughs> uh, best Twitter follow MJF, Orange Cassidy, Dr. Britt Baker, and Nyla Rose. MJF. Orange Cassidy doesn't really do much on Twitter. I don't even um, think he uses Twitter. Uh, he does, but it's not like the stuff that he posts is in character and it's like small, you know? Uh, Britt isn't Baker. It also like mostly when like, chuck and trent like tag him in conversations sure and he retweets stuff a lot he's you know he play he yeah. tweets as that character which wouldn't wouldn't be a big twitter dude um chucky t not being on this list is it's a criminal a, offense it's a joke it's a joke quite frankly um but it's mjf out of those four um Chucky on t- on Twitter is one of the, the highlights of my morning. Just looking through the dumb shit that he posts. Uh, like he's on a he's on an Instagram rant rant right now, calling his fucking dog a drug addict, and he's sending the dog to rehab. Uh, Bleacher Report PPV moment of the year: Stadium Stampede. Moxley wins AEW Championship. Sheeta wins AEW Women's Championship. Omega plus Page defeat the Young Bucks. Um, Darby Allen wins the TNT title from Cody. The Young Bucks win AEW tag team title. Uh, uh, we had it's a very similar. Close. We had a very similar award on our year ends award. If you're talking pay per view moment of the year, it's Stadium Stampede. Um, yeah, it's not even close. <laughs> this like those other things were cool. Absolute perfect wrestling match ever created. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about New Year's Smash Night Two. The show opens with a recut of the Bastard slash Kingston hype from Road 2. Um, and then we go straight into the entrances because we're about to do this match. Um, which I was not ready for, man. Uh, Pac, they start off the match. They do the entrances. Pac does his entrance, marches to the ring, waits just, for no bell, immediately just nails Kingston with a, a fucking missile dropkick, uh, which is amazing. I, I was not expecting this to open the show, and good God, the stiffness of this match. It was so, it was wild. Just a they, shit whipping. Yeah, they were fucking each other up the whole time. <laughs> um, It doesn't stop there. Just the match is just so strike-heavy and violent and wonderful. It 
far exceeded my expectations. And I was excited for the match, but I genuinely did not expect it to be this good. Um, Kingston does a round of offense in somewhere in the middle here. Um, but it's pretty one-sided for Pac throughout the thing. And having this sort of warring factions at ringside throughout uh, really added to it for me. Um, the show was taped and the audio was uh, piped in, the crowd noise, uh, but it really didn't bother me. And I didn't even notice it until someone brought it up. Um, I just, I have a, and I, I, we kind of talked about this, like if when it's overpowering the commentators, I know you don't care. Yeah, I don't care. That was all for me, man. <laughs> the, uh, I will explain that. It's simply because I think the crowd, the crowd noise does more for my experience than missing Jr. going. Oh my god! Well, I don't care about Jr., but I do like listening to Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. Sure. Um, but when you know it's a empty crowd show, because yeah, not only do if if you pay attention to their schedule, you know this, but in the opening fifteen seconds of this show, you have a camera shot that shows that no one is fucking there except yeah. the other wrestlers. I don't really think you need piped in crowd noise that, and that the wrestlers at ringside should be loud enough. If you have your ring mics positioned properly to accentuate all of the action in the ring. No, I prefer it. I, I mean, I see what you're talking about, but I, I give me all the crowd noise in the world. I mean, I don't want it to be the, the dead silence, like in impact. Sure. But it didn't need to be as loud as it was at the start of the show. Yeah, sure. I guess I'll give people that. I wish it were louder, personally, but that's just me. You also um, just wish that you could have crowd noise and a switch to turn off commentators. For the love of God. AW Plus, you want 10 bucks a month from me? <laughs> give me the ability to turn off the commentary. I don't need it. I know what all the moves are called. I don't need your help. I understand it should be there for casuals, but let me turn it off for the love of God. Um, I'll do it. And then for notes, I'll go back and listen to the goddamn commentary. But no, I just won't. Want, no, I won't. <laughs> I just I just want to watch the show without people being like, that's a moonsault. Um, that's, you know, whatever. Um, Pac wins the match with the black arrow. And then after the bell slaps on the brutalizer. Then the Butcher and the Blade come in to make the save. Lucha Bros rise to meet them. Lance Archer comes out finally and chases the heels off. And then there's this weird kind of tension between um, Lance Archer and Pac, where Lance Archer is telling him, you got to get on the same page. I don't know if he's saying with me or with them or with your guys or whatever. Um, and then uh, he exits as we uh, cut to the card rundown uh, with the commentary booth. Uh, Chuck Taylor versus Miro immediately follows this uh, with uh, really uh, not uh, much uh, talking in between. Miro is back to normal hair color again, which is cool uh, and looks much better on him than the blonde thing that he was doing before. Um, well, he's also not just directly ripping off the blade gimmick. <laughs> not shaving his head when he should. No, uh, bleaching his hair. But yes, also that <laughs> going going bald slowly is that <laughs> <laughs> it's not slowly anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, Kip has uh, some kind of uh, Trent standee with him with kinesio tape over the the 
peck for some reason, I guess, to make fun of the peck tear. Uh, it's not. It's Kip thinking he's clever. It's not very well executed. <laughs> um, but I also really enjoyed this match. Uh, both Miro and Chuck really took their time and got to demonstrate their value. They're both excellent pro wrestlers, and I think both of them underrated for what they are. Uh, uh, absolutely agree. And you can tell that both of these guys had a blast doing this match. <laughs> uh, that said, despite Chuck's best efforts, he's rather quickly locked into uh, game over, which I think is what he's calling that yep. thing now. Um, Chucky e. T will now be Miro's. Uh, they changed the wording on this like partway through the week. They were using young boy. Maybe TNT was like, that's kind of a weird insert inside term and sounds vaguely sexual. You should change it to Butler. And so now they were saying Butler all the time. I mean, we all, yeah, it's because it's a very, very inside baseball term. Like we know it what is. a young boy is. It is. And it, it does sound weird. It does sound vaguely sexual yeah. uh, in a, in a uh, rather depraved way. So I understand uh, why they changed it to Butler, but uh, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't just go with like what New Japan does. They don't call them young boys; they call them young lions, and that sure. makes more sense. It's still even, weird. Even then, it's weird. Bad but boy would have been maybe better. Caddy. It, it also uh, doesn't sound as bad as young boy. Yeah, yeah, young yeah, young boy. That's a uh, that's a weird yeah. one, man. <laughs> yeah. Protege. You have to be. Uh, He's my bitch, okay? He's just my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Servant. Servant would have maybe been the yeah, best butler. term. They said butler. Butler kind of, butler's a weird, butler would kind of refer to around the house tasks where I would think servant would be yeah, more. But. I mean, I would say, but there's also, you know, that whole thing, like when your kid's like, oh, I'm going to make you my servant for a week. And that's just sure. exactly what that is. Right. But I don't think they really wanted to go down that connotation. Sure, sure. They didn't say slave, so that's good for them, you know? <laughs> they didn't, nah, they they didn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Orange Cassidy is uh, upset here with his powerlessness as as uh, Chuck Taylor taps out to this uh, uh, finishing move here. Um, Private Party and Matt Hardy do an interview with Dasha. Here, they do almost exactly what they did on BTE, which was really annoying. Um, but it indicates a great frustration with Matt from Private Party, which I guess is the only good thing to say about it. Um, Matt's response here is that he learned that after All Out, nobody cares about them, about anything that goes uh, that happens with them, which is uh, a very heelish uh, a perversion of what actually happened. Um and they are lucky to have someone like him advocating on their behalf. It's fine. It's just don't make me feel like a chump for watching both shows. If you're going to do it on Dynamite, don't do the same exact thing on BTE. But, like, longer and way more pointless. Right. Yeah. Don't make me feel like, all right, you already showed me this. So am I the fucking asshole for trying to watch both shows and, like, try to be up to date with everything? Uh, apparently uh, because you get the good version on dynamite right which is the <laughs> same thing that happened with Britt baker later so um inner Did circle uh with uh, uh uh we'll talk about it okay uh inner circle new year's resolutions 
they all came down to the ring. Jericho introduces this segment where he has all members of the inner circle in the ring to reveal their New Year's resolutions as they sort of talked about last week that they were going to do. Hager is the first to go. As one might expect, his resolution was simple. <laughs> he said, championships, <laughs> yeah. Now who's going to hell? Um, oh, I have no, I'm going to hell. It's been a long <laughs> known fact. <laughs> uh, MJF is next. He attaboys Hager. He says that was a great, great job. Uh, then he says his plan is just to continue to strengthen his bond with all of the men in the ring. He then closes by saying, and also fat people, they got to go. Which is not what a resolution is, but okay. <laughs> uh, Ortiz is next. Uh, this year he hopes uh, to perfect his grandmother's sofrito recipe. Um, and then he says learning how to throw down some uh, arroz con uh, grandules, uh, grandules uh, which is a, a, a Puerto Rican rice dish. Um, MJF says, I definitely know what that is. Very good. Uh, which <laughs> okay, white boy. <laughs> uh, uh, Jericho's uh, resolution is that he and MJF will win the tag belts. Uh, Santana. My God, I love it. Santana goes, hold up. He asks what, what all of us have been asking for a very long time, which is why did Jericho go out and recruit one of the best tag teams in the world into his stable so that he could then tag with another single person and chase tag gold. That's he's dumb. fat and lazy and can't do singles matches anymore. I guess. Yes. I mean, yes. Um, Sammy then interrupts Santana because he has an even more pressing issue he wants to talk about here. He turns to Jericho and he says, I know what's going on here. I see it. You're a little tag team slut. Uh, <laughs> it's just like what the fuck the crowd of course starts chanting tag team slut immediately as Sammy runs down Jericho's list of recent tag partners he says you team with MJF you teaming with Hager we were Lasex gods uh, he says I saw you dabbing it up with Snoop Dogg last week are you gonna are you gonna team with him next I the fact that he used dabbing it up as the phrase here to subtly talk about Chris Jericho smoking weed with Snoop Dogg is amazing. Because um, it's true. Sure, sure, I'm sure. But I thought it was great how, how he just slipped that in there. Um, Jericho's reaction here is he goes, maybe. Uh, which, kudos to Jericho, that was very funny. <laughs> Um, Jericho suggests that the best way to blow off this tension, just like last week, is to have a match. Santana and Ortiz versus MJF and Jericho versus Sammy and Hager. Uh, Jericho says, ha ha, Sammy Hager. That's funny. Uh, Sammy, Sammy has the great line here. He says, what is, why is I'll that? What, why is that funny? Uh, Jericho says, never mind. <laughs> uh, and I love that. Um, MJF closes it up. He has everyone put their middle fingers in the middle. Uh, Santana has this amazing line where he says, how come your hand is darker than your face? Uh, <laughs> MJF is like, asking the important questions. Poppy, you're ruining it. Uh, and I love that. I thought it was great. Um, so, you know, mostly cool thing. I guess we're going to have a tag team match this week to decide who's the best tag team match. My sincerest hope is that 
Uh, MJF finds a way to make it clear that he sabotaged his team to help Santana and Ortiz. If Santana and Ortiz don't win this match, then some this is fucking criminal. Right. Uh, my hope is that we do it to not only have them win the match, which they shouldn't have to be in in the first place, but it's something to continue to push like MJF looking out for Santana and Ortiz and looking out for their best interest and proving that he's probably a better leader to go with in the future than Jericho has been. Um, yeah, fair enough. But we'll see. Um, we go backstage with the Dark Order, Marvez, and Evil Uno's amazing shark skin suit that he was wearing. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we need some of these. <laughs> uh, Uno more or less affirms that the Dark Order's face turn uh, in the wake of uh, uh, Brody's death uh, will once again continue. He, he thanks everyone uh, for that night. Uh, he promises that the Dark Order will live on better in the memory of our fallen friend. He says, quote, everything we do is in his name. We have to be better people. And it starts next week when Hangman Adam Page teams with the Dark Order. And they pull in Hangman uh, and they fill his glass and Silver gets the mic and he can't ask his question. And he's like, I love you, dude. I, I fucking love you, man. Uh, it's so great. Reynolds takes the mic off of Silver because he's embarrassing himself. And he says, look, we just really want to know, when are you going to let us know if you're going to, you know, join the Dark Order? Uh, end quote. Uh, Adam seems reticent in this moment. He's like, ah, I don't know. Uh, John Silver says, what about next week after the match? Hangman listens. He agrees. After the match next week, he'll give them his answer. Uh, God, I hope he says yes. That would be so I, awesome. I want it to happen so bad. <laughs> Hangman walks back to the other side of the room and the Dark Order start prematurely celebrating his entry into the group. Silver's like, he is so in. He's in. And he's like right there. He can hear them. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, backstage, we see Leather Jacket, Kenny Omega, Don Callis, and the Bucks getting ready to go on when they're caught by Dasha. Callis remarks that it's wonderful to have everyone back together. Kenny asks if they're going to do the elite entrance, but Callis insists that since the Bucks are champions, since Kenny Omega is champion, they should all have separate entrances, do their own thing, you know? Um, uh, <laughs> Kenny goes out, makes his entrance. Justin Roberts says that Kenny hasn't teamed with the Elite in 144 days. I don't know how that's possible. It feels I, like they've teamed way more recently than that to me, but time um, is a flat circle. So. No, because they really haven't teamed up since... Um, I mean, Hang Mega was were the tag champs for the longest time. Sure, but then he teamed with At them after that. Double or nothing, that's the only other time. Hmm. Huh. God. Uh, Callis uh, takes a mic at the end of Kenny's entrance and introduces the world tag team champions and Kenny's, quote, two best friends in the world, end quote, the Good Brothers. Um, so, do you think this was uh, always planned to be the Good Brothers, or do you think they called an audible after Nick hurt his leg? I do not know. Uh I'm just asking your opinion. I, I think I, they definitely had to call an audible after Nick hurt his leg. I think in the way that they set this up, it was very clearly supposed to be the Good Brothers by the time it went on air, obviously. 
after last week, I don't know what plans were moved around or whatever. But yeah, I kind of just I felt like they were when they announced the match, it was like, okay, yeah, they'll do the elite because they're trying to re, you know, strengthen that bond with Kenny. Right. And then they got backstage and Nick was like, yeah, my my legs fucked up. I can't wrestle tomorrow night. Yeah, it does seem nice that it it saved him from that. Uh, be, I didn't realize this was the next night, too, so that seems likely to me. The real question is, does this qualify as a top 10 anime betrayal to you? Yeah, yeah, it's up there. <laughs> um, the Good Brothers enter as we get a picture-in-picture picture of the Bucks backstage with TK looking annoyed. Um, about the whole thing. Um, this is one of the only P, uh, picture in pictures that fight viewers saw, uh, while TNT got to see many throughout the night, which is the opposite of how that's supposed to work. But um, it did give me pl- ample opportunity to post many memes about how that fat bastard JR lied to me. <laughs> Even though he did, I mean, like he he kept because we were on fight and we were like, "What the fuck is going on?" Because JR literally every commercial was like picture in picture, and then it wouldn't do it. Uh, it like it, usually on fight, it will continue as though nothing's happened uh, through the commercial break and you just continue with the match. But it would constantly throw to the like the hold graphic instead. Yeah. And uh, we were like, what is he talking about? Picture in picture. None of these are picture in picture. When I rewatched for notes, it was from the TNT feed and, and there were picture in pictures throughout the thing. Um, well, we had uh, other people in discord saying, it was like, yeah, there's picture in picture. I don't know what's up with you guys. I'm like, in liars yeah fights fucking us so that's what's up with us dude um you told me this was the better service it usually is but sometimes isn't okay uh what am i what am i gonna do about it kenny and the good brothers versus danny limelight and the varsity blondes um this match is exactly as good and no better or worse than any good brothers match i've ever seen uh it's absolutely fine JD maybe had a different opinion on it because he's more of a Good Brothers guy than I am. I thought it was all right. It was <laughs> so great, and you're a fucking hater. <laughs> you want to hate on FTR for having boring matches? Go right ahead. Good Brothers put on good matches. Good Brothers put on absolutely, totally fine match here. I thought it was pretty boring because it's a dark match, uh, and I would have preferred a team like... The Dark Order, something like that, that could have been more than just like uh, these, you know, uh, here's the AEW world champion and arguably impacts biggest stars and champions uh, versus Jabroni 1, 2, and 3. How is this going to shake out? Uh, I mean, Danny Limelight got a really good moment out of this. Good. I'm, I'm good for Danny Limelight. It doesn't make the match any more compelling to watch. Uh, be when it's explicitly obvious who's gonna win. I didn't say um, there was a. It made it better to watch. I'm saying they gave <laughs> at least Danny Limelight a really good moment to shine, and sure. he took that and ran with it. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. I thought they all did a great job, specifically Danny Limelight. Um, uh, there was a move uh, during the break that was uh, super weird and sloppy from Kenny and the Good Brothers. Uh, that was really strange to watch. Uh, Kenny stood over a guy and then the good brothers jumped on his back and then they fell over on the guy. It was really weird. Uh, the rest of the match was okay. Anderson, uh, pins limelight off a magic killer. 
Um, <laughs> out comes Mox, who had a really cool T-shirt. Um, yeah, I want that shirt. That shirt's dope. Mox attacks uh, the band in the ring. Um, the band overpowers Mox. Lucha Bros come in for the save uh, and take... Uh, the good brother is out to ringside. The locker room empties uh, to separate Mox and Kenny. Mox fights them all off. Uh, the Bucks then try to separate Mox and Kenny. Uh, out comes Jerry then... Lynn because he saw long hair. <laughs> right. The Lucha Brothers attack the Bucks from behind. Uh, Mox and the Lucha Brothers uh, attack the good brothers as uh, Omega and Callus retreat. The locker room re-enters uh, to get everyone separated. I have it here, including uh, Jerry Lynn, who must have thought that he saw two women fighting. Um, and and ran out uh, <laughs> as we throw to commercial. Really interesting. A lot of people are suspecting that this is leading to a blood and guts match. If that's true, the Bucks, the Good Brothers, and Kenny versus Mox, the Lucha Bros, Pac, Pac, right? And then maybe Archer. Maybe I don't know. That's the fifth person is gonna is kind of really up in the air. Well, I think Archer's maybe the pull here because he's got this connection with Death Triangle already and he's a good foil to Dot Gallows, who is also enormous. Sure, that's fair. Uh, yeah. It's also worth noting, although we didn't see it because this week was taped, we did see a pile of hair, uh, recently shaven hair on the ground uh, on um, Lance Archer's Instagram. Uh, whether that's uh, a fake out or what, we don't know yet, but maybe he's heading in a new aesthetic direction, um, with, uh, his, uh, his look. So that'll be cool to see. Um, when we return, we go straight into the waiting room. Um, full disclosure for many of our listeners, this was their first experience with the waiting room. I know because people talked about it in Discord. They were like, oh, you know. Um, you guys and, made it out to be so bad. It wasn't really that bad. Like, right. So yeah. Some of them were somewhat confused at its relative painlessness in contrast to how we covered the show's installments on AEW Dark. This was the best waiting room by a mile. Uh, and it was saved almost entirely by the ending. I want to make it clear. I think without that ending, it would have been like, what the fuck was that? Which is oh. what most of the darks were. Um, Even the ending it, was so disjointed and confusing yeah, compared to yeah. everything else. Uh, it, I don't think it was good. Uh, but uh, Baker uh, getting some comeuppance at the end instead of just poorly healing off for 10 minutes in between terrible rebel laughs uh, made the show so much more enjoyable. Uh, and that's something to commend, I guess. That said, I, I still thought it was pretty embarrassing through most of it. Um, anyway, Rebel does her intro. Britt comes dancing onto the set with that weird... Uh, marimba music that they do um she uh, uh does the check uh under your chairs oh it's nothing bit that she did like a month ago on dark um they just straight reuse the exact same joke which was aggravating um uh, well yeah she's not doesn't have that much original material man i guess yeah I, she has five jokes uh they did a, She then did a monologue about Cody uh, and Go Big Show and about how his neck tattoo is bad, which, again, she also cool. did in a monologue pretty recently on, on this show. So Low-hanging um, fruit. 
Um, but we should, well, it really... just it felt it felt like I it felt like I've been seeing her at comedy clubs over the past few years, and then I just watched the special. Uh, she did at the end, you know, they introduce Cody and then they light up these sparklers because Cody has to have pyro, which is kind of a new joke, I guess, at least one she hasn't done before. Um, it was cute. I mean, it's it's fine. I don't I don't it's... understand the premise. The premise of the joke to me is like, yeah, man wants fucking pyro. Pyro's d- sweet as shit, dude. What, what do you want? Well, it's just like we're making, <laughs> we're trying to make fun of Cody. Is like he has to have pyro. It's his contractual obligation. Bullshit. But it's also like if you notice, they can't do this shit in front of a live audience because they would get fucking eviscerated. <laughs> they have to do this on tape shows. Uh, well, see, I mean, you know, like I said, my reaction to Britt Baker is different than a lot of people's, so maybe it would do well on the show. I don't know, but I thought it was uh, cringy, um, like it usually is. Uh, Britt welcomes in Cody and complains about how Cody's baby will have an action figure before she does. She's probably right, although Facts. I think this is more an indictment of her than it is of some sort of nepotism here. Uh, Cody back. even mouths Cody even mouths maybe here uh <laughs> with the with the face of a man who's just now realizing that he's in the bad segment this week. Um and then before Cody can speak, Britt being brings out Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill is enormous. Uh and she takes a mic and cuts a better than last time, but still bafflingly under par promo on Brandy, who's not here. Um, although it's funny, uh, then uh, Britt came in with uh, nine months, folks. She's going to be gone for nine months. And then uh, Brandy on Twitter today was like, I'm yeah, halfway through. These bitches can't do math. <laughs> I mean, math wasn't in the job rec, you know, that's fine. But right. like, yeah, it's like. It's not that's not how this works. But okay, okay, you okay, whatever. Um I I stand by my my previous criticism of Jade Cargill is like, sweetheart, you have to actually practice promos. Mm. Because Well, so it's not so I like I could go both ways on it. I, when I say practice, I mean you need. She takes breaths and pauses and very un. Yes, I don't think it's her fault though. I don't think it's her fault. Um, you know, like I think it's just a lack of practice. So I, I'm gonna go through it because I have it written down my my thoughts on this, and I. I if I go through it without what's written down, I, I I don't think it'll be as articulate as I'd want it to be. Uh, she says Cody uh, did a big uh, favor for Brandy by getting her pregnant, but Cargill is tired of wasting uh, time and waiting and wants to know why the office hasn't uh, assigned her an opponent yet. And Cody has the perfect opportunity to stop here and say, uh, I know you don't watch the show, but just pick someone and challenge them. That's generally how it works that, around here. Yeah, that's how wrestling and all combat sports work. Right. I don't know why you're waiting for Tony to assign you someone. That's not really how it works here. Uh, which highlights my greater problem with writing a story like this because they're pretending that she's like, I want to fight someone, just assign me someone, and the office won't do that for her. Uh, when in reality, we, I mean, like, we all know that she's, just needs more time to be taught how to do this job that she's 
uh, now going to be showcased doing at a top tier professional level without ever having previously done the job based solely on her physique, athletic background, and social media following. Um, <laughs> my <That was> impressive. <laughs> my genuine hope, and I talked about this some in Discord, but my genuine hope for this company is that we would avoid these very wwe signings like this um and that we would just fill two hours every week with actual goddamn pro wrestlers who know how to fucking do the thing and that they would have at least as much passion for the sport as the audience does at the very least um but enough of that sort of old vince philosophy reverence is still in this company um, and lingers in certain members of the higher ups that uh, they're just going to keep trying with signings like this, I guess. And more than just seeing her and more than just the signing of her, I think the real problem here, and this is why I said, I don't think it's her fault is I think hot shotting her into a big feud when she's never wrestled before. Um, I don't think that does anybody any favors not us not them and certainly not her um and that was my big thing with this where i was like man they're just gonna keep like all right we'll teach you and then now go out into the giant stadium and do it in front of everybody in the world um instead of like hey what if we like put her on dark and let her have some matches and like let her grow naturally and and you know like let her learn like everybody else has surely she can't be any worse at wrestling than some of the worst people on dark but like hot shotting her into this like kind of big women's feud with somebody because she's huge uh and then like being like oh she still doesn't know how to promo but let's give her a bunch of promo time on the main show it's like what who do you think that you're highlighting her because you're not you're exposing her well it's like they but they can't not hot shot her because if they don't give her some you know key segment then she's just gonna be like well what am i around here for i'm not a developmental talent i'm blah 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 <laughs> that and like, that might be the case it might be the case that she believes she is not a developmental talent she fucking is yeah but... because she's never wrestled a day in her life but <laughs> right. i mean I'm my, I'm my you don't argument to do the job, so. is simply if you're going to do promos like this stand in front of a mirror and practice them or don't do them live. The show was taped anyway. They could have been like, Jade, uh, wow, uh, do it again. <laughs> yeah, because like I, the content itself was fine, but it's really yeah. just the... It's her delivery isn't good because she pauses. hasn't delivered before. She's not an actor. She's not a fucking actor. She's not even a like fake pro wrestling character actor like a lot of these guys are. She's, you know, not capital or lowercase actor here. She is a fitness model who has a bunch of Instagram followers and a child psychologist. And uh, she played sports in college. That That's her background. So, like, of course she gets up there and her second time delivering lines in front of a million people is like weird and she pauses in weird places yeah that happens because she's being put in a position she's not fucking qualified for right now and maybe someday she will be but it's also like you said this wasn't in front of a live audience 
this no. was a taped show. Yeah. Just stop it and redo it. <laughs> but Cody doesn't respond to her. He says nothing, and instead, Red Velvet comes in. She gets in a shoving match with Jade, even though she, she's like a quarter of the size. Um, and then a slapping match with Jade, uh, while Rebel and Jade or Rebel and Brit are in the background, just overacting, trying to distract from what's happening in the foreground. Um, and then they grapple, and then the women's locker room empties to pull them apart, uh, and they get separated. Cody exits, uh, having not said a word the entire show. Uh, and then they awkwardly, like really bizarrely, just cut to footage on the screen of uh, Brit attacking uh, Rosa last month without Brit like cueing it at all, like being like, let's watch this. Um, and then Rosa comes on the screen and fucking saves the segment with a wonderful promo that is literally just like mana from heaven in the desert. Um, and she says, uh, Brit uh, only has this show because, quote, you and your big nose like to uh, get in other people's business. But soon you have to do the work and actually wrestle me, end quote, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, Rosa says that she spoke with Tony and Tony said that a match between the two of them would need promotional time and the biggest stage possible. She says, so... That's why you get to face me February 3rd at Beach Break. And now I get to beat your ass, end quote. Um, there's actually a really cool moment here where Brit is completely caught off guard by this uh, announcement and that she was somehow under the impression that she would just get to fuck with Thunder Rosa forever and they would never have to wrestle each other, no, which is bad weird. bad would happen to her. <laughs> also bizarre that uh, she hasn't wrestled in like, a, really a pretty long time and she was like why would i uh, tony you said i wouldn't have to wrestle her and I, as funny as it was as cool as it was it was like why would you think that would be the case i feel like brit hasn't wrestled since all out no she has she's done one-off wrestles wrestling appearances on dynamites that weren't incredibly memorable but she has um she seems really pissed off and then sort of awkwardly changes gears to send off the show, which they should have cut, but they never cut anything on this uh, company. Um, Cause she's like, Oh, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And then she's like, bye everyone from your doctor, Britt Baker, D M D. And then she's like, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. It's like, okay, uh, you should have just cut out when she reacted, but they didn't Jurassic express versus FTR was the next match. Um, they enter to jungle boys, uh, singles music here which was weird because they were acting as a tag team but I guess they they paid for Jungle Life they're going to use Jungle Life god Might damn as it well. probably, um, probably cost a decent chunk of change the match was fine uh, Marco in particular I thought was a standout for this match uh, there are a lot of people who really don't like his act I think he's overperformed in basically every opportunity they've given him so um, I dig Marco a lot uh, FTR is FTR here they had a good solid match Jurassic Express managed to keep them from reverting to the isolation story again uh, for a good portion of this match although not the entire thing um, at one point JR uh, has the incredible commentator line this is exceeding my expectations this is a good match okay okay 
Uh, wow. Uh, FTR win with a big rig on Marco's stunt. Um, it was cool. Ty Conte versus Serena Deeb followed this match. Uh, Conte gets better and better every time I see her work. And she has the confidence now that is just intoxicating with her, man. She's really coming into her own. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, it's like all of the things... She's, she really took the, I guess, the, the learnings and the feedback she got from WWE to heart. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, honed her skills of fixing those flaws in her character and being confident and putting the work in. And I, I'm sold on her. I think she's an absolutely phenomenal talent. I think she should challenge she does sooner rather than later. Uh, her and Deeb have an excellent match here. Conte's strikes are fantastic, and she pulls this sweet full Nelson stunner move out in the middle of it that rocks. Uh, Ty goes for a Ty KO. Serena reverses. Deeb uh, pins Conte off of the uh, the Deeb talks uh, for her finish, uh, and Ty looks very sad at the end of this, and Anna supports her, and they're both close friends. Um Next week, Santana and Ortiz versus Sammy Hager and Jericho and MJF. Um, that'll be a good match. Again, we'll pray for Santana and Ortiz. Uh, Seidel and Top Flight versus Hardy Party That's gonna for some reason. Suck. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fine. It just won't have a point. Hangman Page, Colt, and the Beaver Boys versus Chaos Project and TH2. Uh, this is in celebration for Negative One's birthday, um, which is nice. But also weird. Like, it's, you know, the Dark Order side, okay, but you're make, having them wrestle fucking Chaos Project? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's kind of a dark match, but it's fine. Uh, update from Miro and his n- new butler, Chuck Taylor, uh, which uh, hopefully they did a funny little taped segment. That'll be nice. Um, Rosa, uh, or, uh, Nyla Rose versus, uh, Hirsch. Um, Layla Hirsch. Layla Hirsch. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, Mox in action. Kind of a weak card next week. Uh, expect kind of a weak show. There has been another announced match that was announced while we, when we started recording, you're going to love this one. It is um, Cody Rhodes versus Pretty Peter Avalon. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> that's cool. That's a fucking dark match of all dark matches, but... That's going to be cool. awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch that. I, I mean, otherwise, yeah. I mean, we'll have to see next week, but I look at this card, and I'm like, ooh, okay. I think Not a lot going on. They're kind of in the lull because they're they're banking a lot of things for the Miami shows. I mean, Beast Break is on the 5th, right? That's in... So they'll be live next week. Right. They'll record for the 28th. And then they'll be in Miami. Mm. Maybe we just get a bunch of match announcements next week. I think we'll get a bunch of... uh, They'll start building angles next week and then a bunch of Mm -hmm. announcements the following week. Brian Cage versus Darby Allen was the main event of the show. This match was fucking awesome. Uh, Cage is such an awesome Lucha Libre base uh, and really shines against dudes like Darby who can highlight his power. Um, they get a great base to work off of. He gets a little tiny dude who he can throw around like a fucking potato. 
like a um, fucking lawn dart. Yeah. Uh, early on, Cage literally picks up Darby in the ring, chucks him over the top rope, and through the bell table at ringside. It's incredible. He then goes and picks him up in the suplex clutch and carries him up the steps and throws him back in the ring. It's ridiculous. Shivani has the great line here. He says, uh, he's a superman. And then Taz corrects him and goes, he's a super machine. <laughs> <laughs> which i adore um it was darby the line of the is, night yeah darby is bleeding now uh at the beginning of this match the rest uh, is just cage manhandling darby basically as darby just flips him off between moves until darby turns it around by dropping a coffin drop on cage upon the steel steps which looked uh, a lot weaker than i think it could have and they should have used a different move um <laughs> From there, Darby begins to mount comebacks, despite Cage slapping some of them down. Uh, Darby bites Cage and then removes his belt and ties it around Cage's feet. Cage fights out of it fairly quickly, though. Then Darby hits a code red and tries to follow with a coffin drop, but Hook distracts the ref while Ricky Starks tries to pull Darby down off the top rope. That's when the lights go out. Sting appears and whacks Ricky with the baseball bat. Sting finally getting physical for, I feel like, the, the first time. Yeah, for, the, for like all intents and purposes, first time, yeah. Uh, which neutralizes Ricky. Uh, Cage climbs up on the turnbuckle and attempts an avalanche lucha destroyer, which would have been amazing, uh, but then Darby reverses it into the avalanche crucifix bomb for the win, which is a great uh, match finish. Uh, and uh, uh, somebody on Reddit pointed out that this uh, ties back to um, how this whole thing with Taz got started with Darby where Darby tried to use the crucifix bomb to pin Cody and ended up himself getting pinned. And then that's why Taz was like, you got to do this if you do that move or whatever. And so now by beating Brian Cage with that crucifix bomb, he's shown that he didn't know how to do the move to, uh, to Taz, which is cool, man. I think that's a cool, uh, really smart sort of tie back to um, the old story. Um, that they didn't like shove down our throats or anything. You kind of had to put it together. Yeah. Um, Star-crossed secret lovers Darby and Sting stare at one another uh, as the show signs off. Uh, snow falling upon Team Taz. Um, I maybe would have switched where this fell in the show. I understand they want to make the TNT title more important and putting it on last makes it more important. But I felt like the ending of the Elite Good Brothers thing uh, felt like more of a show ending than the ending of this did. But. It, it did, but they definitely wanted to highlight the TNT title, and I, I understand that. Sure. Ratings this week, AEW did 762,000, which is fairly average for them. NXT did 551,000, which is fairly average for them. Uh, uh, not too surprising, certainly not the uh, terrible ratings that happened last week, but also not the terrible week that happened last week, so... Yeah. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, podcast services everywhere. Subscribe, review, give us five stars, just like Meltzer. It makes us feel so sweet. Jonathan, how sweet? Too sweet, buddy. Facebook.com slash seeing the elite. Twitter at seeing the elite. If you really want to be in with the crew, in with the greatest community in all of pro wrestling, please head to tinyurl.com slash seeing the elite. Get your invite to our Discord server. Once again, if you want to become one of our best friends, one of our inner circle, head to patreon.com slash seeing the elite and subscribe to the boys. 
Thanks to all of you who have watched this show live. Thanks to our patrons, Alejandro Diaz, Alyssa, Andre Gunther, Andrew Garrett, Ari and Shifra, a.k.a. The Boozerweights, Bill Laviolette, Billy Richardson, Chai Latte, Chris Genro, Cody Fig, James Kenimer, Jeremy Blackman, Jesse Balestros, Joseph Pesacow, Keith Gazzullo, Kevin Bartlett, Kristen, Michael Vatza, Merman, Omega Lulz, Pake Allen, Peter... Risby, Shane Williams, and Travis Ulrich. You guys are the absolute best. Thank you for supporting the show. I don't have anything else to give these people before we go. Mohawk on Saturday. Please uh, come support Patreon. Uh, watch Mohawk with us. It's going to be fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with another episode of Seeing the Elite, an AEW podcast. Until then, go out and change the world. Okay.